Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. My name is Dave Bookbinder. I'm a managing director at B. Riley Financial. I'm also the author of the new ROI, Return on Individuals. And welcome to the show where we dig deeper to understand what matters most in business. Today, we're going to be talking about a fascinating topic, that being using behavioral intelligence to drive sales conversions. Pleased to welcome Ben Bresington, who's the CEO of Behavioral Sales. Ben, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Hey, thanks. I appreciate being here. It's my pleasure. Ben, tell the audience a little bit about you. What's your background? So my background was in law and criminology. So I was getting trained by government agencies on how to profile people and profile individuals from a criminal perspective. And then what I didn't realize is that I'd end up uh, flipping that script and applying criminal profiling to communication for sales and marketing to create more engagement and to really work out if those sales scripts that we're using are creating resistance and re repelling people or it's actually attracting people. And it's led down this quest of now being able to help people, what we call hack their conversations to have more persuasion. Yeah, and this is a universal skill set that I think everybody can benefit from because whether you are actually selling a service or a product or just pitching an idea or even if you're trying to sell mom and dad the idea of staying out late on a weekend, you're, you're, you're in sales. We're all in sales. So let, let's start by identifying what exactly is behavior intelligence, Ben? So behavioral intelligence uh, does a whole lot of things. It analyzes the tonality, the linguistics, so like the words you say, and it interprets that. Because there's a lot of the times, for example, here's a basic example. You ask somebody, how was your day? And they're like, eh, it was okay, all right? And most people would be like, all right, cool, they had an okay day. But what they didn't realize is there was some body language there that indicated a, a disagreement with the, the words that came out of my mouth as well as there's a lot of hidden emotion in the way that uh, that was delivered. And we found that most people have actually become ignorant to the little details of communication. So behavioral intelligence analyzes your communication from your words to your body language and gives you feedback on exactly what's going on and possibly what you miss. Like, was I sad? Was I frustrated? Was I disgusted? Did I disagree with uh, what I was saying and you missed the subtle body language? Um, that's what behavioral intelligence is all about. It's, it's about giving us that feedback loop on what's the emotional intelligence here? What's the emotion behind what's being said that I may not have been able to interpret or I may have missed? Does that make sense? Yeah, maybe let's talk a little bit about body language signs. Um, when you talk about those greetings, how was your day or how are you doing? And someone says, oh, I'm living the dream. I think we all understand it can detect the sarcasm within that statement. But for those more subtle responses to your point, how do you start to identify these body language signs, Ben? What are you looking for? Yeah, there's three core ones we found, and particularly in the world of Zoom and video conferencing uh, in today's world. There's three simple ones we teach people to focus on and to be aware of. And remember, it, it, you're not detecting lying. You're detecting deception or disagreement. Uh, and the thing is, is what you have to be aware of is the body is always communicating the truth that's real to that person. So when we're talking about that, there's three signs we use to, to train people on and what our system will actually detect. So for example, one of them is a single shoulder raise. So uh, in when I said, oh, when I answered the question, how was your day, right? I said, oh, it was okay, right? This single shoulder popped. It can be any shoulder and it doesn't matter. It just pops, just lifts just slightly. And most people may miss that. And that means that I'm literally disagreeing with the words that are coming out of my mouth. So 
Um, what most people may say is when they go, oh, it's okay, and then they'll move on in the conversation. So rather than saying, well, what did you get up to today? How did it? How did your day make you feel? Rather than asking some probing questions to get more context. Does that make sense? It sure does. Yeah. So, and then there's another one, which is a great one for people to watch. Uh, it's used typically around uh, when there's objections or uh, withheld opinions, and it's usually what we call the lip uh, compression. And it means people are literally rolling their lips back and saying no, or it looks like they're biting their lip, right? They're holding their lip and they're literally holding their mouth shut because they're uh, resisting saying something to you, which typically in a sales conversation is connected to an objection or they're not agreeing with what's being said. Uh, and if you don't address that, it kind of festers and therefore you can you get to the end when you want to close a deal, for example, and you're like, well, where did that objection come from? Where did that come from? And it's been a thought they've been wrestling with the whole time. It could have been they disagreed with a statistic you quoted or a fact that you quoted that you think uh, was impressive, but they just didn't uh, agree with. Does that make sense? Yeah. What about the uh, the motion of when, when someone brings the pen up to their mouth and starts to chew on that? What's, what's the tell there, Ben? Yeah, th this one's a, a powerful one, and most people miss this. And it's great to watch this at a coffee shop or a restaurant. You'll see people actually chewing on their cups or a straw or the stirrers. And what it is is it's actually um, uh, requires reassurance. And so if you see somebody put a something on their lips towards their teeth and they're touching their teeth, some people literally will tap their teeth, right? You've seen it. College students uh, do this when they're studying or learning. And what that means is in that moment, I need reassurance. In that moment, I just need some support. It may be that I need you to slow down a little bit because you're talking too fast and I just need a minute to think and grasp myself and you need to let me sit with that thought. It may be that uh, I'm processing it and just uh, I, I'm just not comfortable. So context is really, really important with all this type of stuff and some of the biggest mistakes people read or do is they think, I've seen this body language, so this means this, and it's done, where it's constantly dynamic and evolving, and that's uh, what you really need to be aware of. Yeah, Ben, you alluded to uh, the system, and I, I know that beyond you being a human lie detector, uh, you've got some, uh, some AI that goes in behind the scenes where you're actually analyzing conversations. Is that right? Yeah, correct, because one of the things I realized is, like, most of the people who are on my team and when we we're building a sales team didn't want to spend the three years getting trained by CIA interrogators on how to read body language and do this type of stuff. So I'm like, would it be possible for me to be able to create some software that listened to your call uh, or analyzed your calls after the fact and within a few minutes showed you what you missed, showed you the body language you missed, showed you the emotion that you went through. So for example, there was a, a call we analyzed the other day to give people some real context. And it's a salesperson who was pitching, but the salesperson was pitching from the emotion of boredom. So if you're talking to somebody and you're bored with what you're talking about, because you've said the, the pitch a hundred times, right? What do you think the emotion that the, that your prospect is then feeling? Right? They're feeling bored. And that person didn't obviously close the deal. But what they didn't realize, realize is that they were just so bored with the sales pitch that they were losing deals because of the emotion in which they were communicating from. And it wasn't until we draw, uh, brought their attention to it that they were able to then uh, resolve that issue and 
maintain some excitement and interest. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, any other uh, advice you may be able to share about, you know, similar to that, where you, you found that the salesperson was coming from an emotion of boredom? What else are you finding when you're analyzing these conversations? Well, there's over 17 different emotions that we analyze, um, and uh, we do over 100 different tests when we actually analyze this. We actually can determine personality type based on the word you're using. So we can determine your personality type, and we can show if there was a match between the two personalities, were the personalities in sync. So as a salesperson or as a, a communicator, you need to be able to adapt your communication to the person you're speaking with. And that's where a lot of people really struggle because they've got their personality style and they only deliver it one way, which means they're missing three and four people. So we can show you how well you're in sync. We can show you if you even had influence. And this is one of the, the really interesting ones is like, did you have influence over the person you're communicating with? Because one of the things we find is if you don't have influence over the person you're communicating with, when it comes to closing that person, closing the deal, you rely on external motivators. So things like dropping the price, giving away more stuff. This is when the salesperson starts negotiating with themselves just to try and get the prospect to take action. Does that make sense? Yeah, it sure does. Uh, ben, why don't you tell the audience how they can uh, connect with you if they want to learn more about you or work with you? Yeah, connecting with us is very simple. They can check out behaviorsales.com or you can send an email to help at behaviorsales.com. You can spell it the English or the American way. And our team will be able to connect with you, answer your behavioral questions, answer your personality-based questions, and help you really start to improve your sales conversions. Yeah, Ben, we only have a couple of minutes to go here in this first segment, so I don't want to take you down a rabbit hole, but I do just want to explore very, very briefly here. Um, Zoom, in, the, in this new environment that we're, we're finding ourselves, where most of us are doing the preponderance of our meetings, I would say, uh, on video, what are the things should we be looking for when you've got you know, all the different distractions of maybe two or three different people on the same screen? How do you know if you've got people's attention and you're influencing them? Well, that's a big thing to, to, to watch for. And one of the things I'd recommend to salespeople is if you aren't recording your calls, your Zoom calls, do that. Because most people, they, they'll even tell me, yeah, I've been recording them. And I say, well, how often do you watch them? And they don't watch them. They don't listen to them. They don't replay. They just replay, replay what they thought happened. And that's not always the same as what actually happened. So one of the big things I'd say to people, if you aren't reviewing your calls and reviewing your conversations and start to become aware of what you're saying, how you're saying it, and you, you'll be quite surprised with your, uh, when you watch a recording or listen to a recording, for example, you'll be like, oh, my God, I said um 50 times. Oh, my God, did I really express that in that tonality? I would be disgusted. It's one of the fastest paths to success in improving your conversations is just listening to um, a few of your sales recordings. And I'd highly recommend uh, creating a, a folder where you can store your best call recordings. That way you can listen to and it helps stay, keep you engaged, if, if that makes sense. That's great advice. Ben, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick commercial break here. For you watching and listening, you sit tight. We will be right back on Behind the Numbers after this quick break. All right, ladies, that is a wrap for today's Talk 65. Now that we're done filming, we wanted to talk to you directly. Do you have any questions about maybe some of the topics you've seen on one of our shows? 
or are you new to Medicare or just need help understanding your options for Medigap, Medicare Advantage, or prescription drug coverage? Annette, Patricia, and myself are licensed health insurance brokers that specialize in everything Medicare. So give us a call. We're, We're here, here to, to help. Mmm, cheesy grooves. Flavor, flavor, flavor! She's at Grooves. So much flavor, it's a mind crunch. Let's face it. Lawyers get a bad rap. I'm Erin Bruschi, host of Legal Breakdown, where we dissect legal topics for the everyday viewer with a mix of interesting guests to talk about current events and hot legal topics. Let's work together to make the law accessible and relevant to everyone. Catch us every week on RVN Television. Hey everyone, welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder and today we're talking with Ben Bressington, who's the CEO of Behavior Sales. And he's also the author of a book called People Ignorant. Ben, welcome back to Behind the Numbers. Hey, I'm enjoying being here. It's our pleasure. So um, I was just telling you during the break, I actually uh, buzzed through your book this weekend. I read it very quickly and uh, intently because it was fascinating to me. And in the book, People Ignorant, you talk about those sales types that you alluded to. Why don't you share with the audience uh, a little primer on the different personality types and maybe how we can interact with them and identify them? Yeah, so a lot of people have done a personality test uh, and they found out something about themselves and they were like, well, that was cool. But the reality is, is I want to take it one step further. I'm like, well, how do I actually use this stuff in day-to-day -day life so I can be a more effective communicator? And I realized we had to simplify things down quite significantly. And we realized that there was four core personality types. And what's really key to this approach is that we realize that people have two types of personalities, right? One is it's all context-driven. And so you've usually got a primary and a secondary personality type. And in this model, this works very, very well. And I can literally make anyone a master of personality in less than five minutes. So what I'll do is I'll tell you real quick what the four personality types are and how you can apply them. And I'll share some stories with you that'll help you visualize each of these and you'll see it straight away. So we call it the bird behavior model because there's four birds. We have the peacock, which I call Vegas, because just like Las Vegas, Nevada, it's all about glitz, glamour, and they want to be famous. Think of the TikTok, the TikTok uh, celebrities or people on Instagram, that Insta fame they're looking for. They want recognition. They want praise. They want acknowledgement. Um, next, we've got the peacock. Uh, sorry, uh, we've got the, the pigeon. The pigeon is what I call tank because this person is a slow person to make a decision, but this person wants to make everybody happy. This person's usually a little indecisive and not necessarily the person you want to take to the cheesecake factory because they'll be the ones who ask the waiter to come back and then come back again while they're changing their mind a hundred times. We've all been there. We've all had lunch with that person. Yes, we have. Next, we've got, we've got the eagle and I call eagle liberty because they're all about uh, getting results fast. They want to take action. They're the ones that are run towards the fire and they don't really care if they're running into danger because they just want to get the results. They want achievement. They want authority. They want to be in charge. They want to be the boss and they hate losing with a passion. 
That person is usually very direct. I'm sure we've been around them. They may have been a manager from time to time, and they'll kind of tell you how it is, and they forget that you're like, oh, that cut a little deep. This person kind of struggles sometimes with that emotional connection with individuals, and you need to be aware of that. Um, And then the last one is what we call the owl. The owl is the thinker. This is the person that would rather be right than rich. This person loves studying the details. They will pull out the engineering blueprints for everything and go. They want to know, understand how it all works. They want to understand every review. They want to understand every research paper that's ever been written about this type of stuff. And when they literally tell you they want to think about it, they seriously want to think about it. So one of the questions you need to ask that person is, hey, What's your decision-making process when you go through this? And how long does that usually take? So you can then understand their timeline. This person hates change with a passion. So if you want to change their mind, you've got to work out how to change their perception and what they're, they're thinking about at that time. And that's where a lot of people go wrong. So if you use those four birds so that you've got the peacock, the pigeon, the eagle, and the owl, if you use those four birds, you can pretty much profile anyone anywhere at any point in time and you can understand how do I connect with them rather than trying to just preach your sermon your way. Does that make sense? Yeah, so you've got to figure out first of all how to tease out in the conversation so that you can identify these personality types. Um, once you're able to 100%, do... You can, you can take a good guess just based on how these people present themselves. Uh, most of the time you can actually work that out. Uh, we've, with our technology, we can actually predict their personality profile from what they're saying on LinkedIn or what they've even said to you on an email, for example. Wow, that's fascinating stuff. So let me jump to this then, Ben. So we've identified these four personality types, and we're now in a meeting. How do we build trust and or authority quickly? Yeah, so one of the things you want to be aware of is that uh, each uh, personality type requires a different uh, incentive, right? It's got a different desire, different motivation. So for example, the dove is all about wanting, uh, or the pigeon is wanting uh, security. They're wanting to belong. They're wanting to be everybody's friend. So when you're presenting to them, you'll create trust if you approach them as a friend. You'll create trust uh, and rapport with them very quickly if you're not asking them to change or make rapid decisions and you're not causing a disruption to their world of peace. And this is what a lot of people misunderstand, where the eagle is wanting to take fast action, fast decisions. They want to talk about ROI, right? So we need to approach the eagle understanding that. But if we approach the dove person who scares very easy, just think of a pigeon in Central Park, right? You can think of a dove or a pigeon. They're both the same. They're very flighty. If I approach you asking you to change instantly, that's going to scare the crap out of you. So you want to be aware of that. You want to be aware of the words you're using. So how do I have to alter my script based on the people I'm talking to? And it's quite common to be in a conversation with multiple people, and they're all different personality types. So as you're talking to one personality type, you can be literally losing influence with the other. And that's part of the game. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, wow, now you've got the different personality types, so I guess you've got to identify who the ultimate decision makers are and then what you're playing to that person most, but recognizing that others that are on that call are going to be participants in the decision, uh, maybe influence the decision makers. How how do you navigate that minefield, Ben? That's quite 
uh, one of the biggest challenges that most people have, and that's what we found salespeople actually really struggled with, because they usually connected with their personality type or the personality types they resonated with, and they may miss the decision maker completely, and they'll be like, I just didn't connect with that guy or that person. But that person was literally the sole decision maker, because we can actually track in our software who has influence over who. So... Did you have influence over the right people or did the people you were connecting with actually have influence over the other parties that on the conversation? And this is the type of dynamics which become very important when uh, having conversations with people and do I need to have 10 people in the room or really can I just have three? That can help change a sales team quite significantly. So when you say in the room, let's, let's talk about the literal in the room conversations, Ben. You've got several people uh, on the so-called other side of the table, uh, and you've got one person who's sitting at the head of the table in an open kind of uh, posture, and that's the one that's doing the most talking. It, is it fair to just assume that that's ultimately the decision maker? No, that's actually a bad assumption. And one of the things you want to learn in all personality and body language assessment is the assumptions is what gets you in trouble. So one of the things you want to be aware of is every context is new, every situation is new. Um, and therefore, what you're doing is reinforcing with current evidence. Just because they were the decision maker or they were the person who decided to have the meeting last week doesn't mean they're the actual final decision maker in the room. And the decision maker could actually be not even in that room. And that's where a lot of people go wrong. So it's really understanding, okay, what's the context right now and how does it apply? A quick example was I was dealing with a company and they had a six-month sales process and they usually had 30-plus conversations. And in those conversations, sometimes they'd have 10-plus people on a call or in the room. And we worked out that when they were doing some of those meetings and they had engineers and technical people, those technical people were actually causing more objections more delays in the sales process that they had to now be overcome because of how they were communicating with people who really didn't care about what was being said. Does that make sense? Yep. Ben, tell the audience how they can find you, how they can get a copy of your book. So, uh, Quite simple, reach out to behaviorsales.com. Uh, and I've even got a, something super special for people. If they email help at behaviorsales.com, um, they can actually get the online version of the book uh, with some bonus training materials uh, sent to them for free at no cost if they mention this show. Wow, that's awesome. I'll make sure I drop that in the liner notes. So, Ben, we've got literally maybe a, a minute and a half here to go, but I want to sneak in one last question, and that is to give you the final word here on some advice that you might share uh, for all of us who are heading into our conversations this afternoon. So one of the things you just want to become aware of what you say Tonality is up to 80% of the message itself. So it's how you say things is more important. And as soon as you can start to become aware of what's going on, what is my body language right now? Are my shoulders back? Am I breathing slow? Am I talking slow? Awareness is going to be the key to your communication success. And it's more vital now than ever before. So no technology is going to replace you if you become an effective communicator. And that's one of our goals we should be all striving to be is becoming aware of how we're communicating. Yes. Amen to that. Ben, thank you so much for joining us today on Behind the Numbers. Hey, my pleasure. We've been talking with Ben Presington, the CEO of Behavior Sales and author of People Ignorant on how to hack influence. 
And again, my name is Dave Bookbinder, and I'm the one that my clients turn to when they want to know what their most important assets are worth. You can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Please do reach out. I'm always happy to have a conversation. And as always, thank you for watching and listening. We can't do it without you. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button and stay in touch with everything that we're up to. And we will see you next time. Take care, everybody.